Well, we welcome everybody to this week's edition of View from the Press Box. I'm Scott Hogan, and joining me as of this date, Monday, that we are recording, uh, we'll bring in Brad Hallier, and we'll all wish you a big happy birthday today, Brad. You're, you're working on your birthday. I am. I am. Uh, big big 22 this year. Oh, no, that's, <laughs> that's a lie. We'll have to double that. 44 for me this year, but nope, it's, uh, it's all good. We have one of these every year, and we'll just uh, go chill out tonight, get some dinner together with the family, and just kind of relax a little bit. Well, that sounds like a great plan. And uh, when you when you're out, will you have a TV on? And and what do you think about Alabama, Ohio State for the uh, the whole bag of marbles tonight? Usually, I don't go out to dinner unless I know that there's going to be a TV with sports playing, Scott. <laughs> so if it's if it's not Buffalo Wild Wings or Applebee's, even Rib Cribs got a couple TVs, so we'll we'll hit one of those places up. But uh, it's hard for me to go against Alabama, although I did like the way Ohio State looked in their semifinal with Clemson. I mean, they just ransacked them. So uh, I really think uh, it, I think it should be a good game. It should be better than both those semifinal games, anyway. Well, we certainly hope for that. I don't have a horse in the race. I I'm like you. I, if I had to place a bet on this game, I would take Alabama. Um, I look for a shootout in this. I, I I didn't wasn't that impressed with Alabama's defense. I mean, they held Notre Dame down, um, but teams have put a lot of points on Alabama this year. Ohio State, um, Justin Fields, well, he really stepped up. That was a question mark about him. He did not play very well in their previous two games, um, the Big Ten championship against Northwestern. But boy, he he played tremendous against Clemson. They get that kind of performance out of him tonight. Ohio State. Uh, a good chance to win, but I, I certainly would take Alabama if I was forced to. Yeah, just uh, it, it's hard for me to think that anybody besides Alabama will win. But as you mentioned, you know, the quarterback play for Ohio State, very impressive there in the semifinals. Maybe a little bit too much to ask them to, to duplicate, but if you can just go maybe 75% of that, I think you, you'll you have a chance to be in that game. And, you know, they are kind of playing the, the disrespect card a little bit with Ohio State. You know, a lot of people didn't think they deserved to be there, that they didn't play enough games, which is a fair criticism. But, yeah, at the end of the day, I think uh, that they will be playing a lot of that disrespect card, and it should make for a pretty interesting game. Hopefully it'll be for good theater. I hope to maybe catch uh... – uh, third, fourth quarter, because on 95.9 tonight, I'll be a little busy at 7 o'clock as the Sterling College men are back at home. They are hosting Southwestern, and the streak was broken on Saturday, Brad. They went up to York, Nebraska, picked up their first conference victory, 73-70 at York. They're now 1-9 and nine in the uh, KCAC conference. Uh, they got their seven foot one center back. He'd been out with a foot injury. Only Grant Olson only scored a couple of points in that game, Brad, but it, it changes the dynamics because even in, in limited time this season, uh, he's still tied for the lead in the conference and block shots. I mean, he just commands the paint when he is in there. Um, he, he gets all the rebounds. You can't drive to the basket on Sterling near like you can, and, and he certainly adds a different dynamic to that team. Uh, and they play Southwestern tonight, who played their first, First game since November 17th on Saturday, um, losing 84-66 at Bethany. So um, Sterling certainly coming in off of a win, catching Southwestern on uh, after a bad performance, maybe another chance for uh, back-to-back wins tonight. Well, if you look at 
what Sterling has done this year, a lot of their losses, you know, they lose to friends by three. They lose to Ottawa by four. They lose in double overtime to Bethany. Looking up and down, uh, let's see, they had a, uh, a decent uh, eight-point loss to McPherson. So they've had some close losses. Where I'm going with this, and, and uh, where I'm going with this, Scott, is if you got a shot blocker now, so let's say he averages maybe two blocks per game. Okay, well, that's potentially, what, two, three, four points right there that you're wiping off the board. And even if he's only averaging, you know, two, three, four points a game, okay, right there, that 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 could be potentially an eight-point swing right there, six, eight points uh, that, that he can make up right there. And with the number of close games that they played, even though his uh, statistical contributions may not be astronomical, you know, Moses Malone type, but just that alone could be enough to get them some wins here uh, after the holidays. Well, and they play a team that also uh, Troy Baker and I believe it's all um, Troy Kinzer. I, I might have to be corrected on Kinzer's first name. Uh, they're like second in the league, both of them second and third or second and fourth in block shots. So teams trying to get to the the rim tonight are going to see some some rim protectors, and it'll be interesting to see the, the dynamics of the game, how they will change when Olsen comes out of the lineup or he comes in in the same way with the shot blocker for Southwestern. Because Southwestern so very athletically talented. I think it's just like starting their whole season over when they hadn't played since November 17th. So it, it shapes up to be pretty interesting tonight. Well, I think that you have to like Sterling's situation right now, Scott, uh, coming off a win getting healthier I think that win's going to do a lot for their confidence and you know if they can just build on that you know from there they, they you know they don't have to go out and and run the table here after the holidays which would be obviously nice but hey just you know get this win against Southwestern and build on it maybe you can get a third win against Tabor or maybe you can get something going in in January where let's see they play what three six games maybe go four and two five and one or something like that so it, I think that's key tonight for them just to take that win and build on it and get another win and Jemiah Wyndham Haynes, he's just been Mr. Steady at 25 and 8 against York. Um, he's having a heck of a senior year. So finally, they were able to capitalize on his performance and, and get that victory. And you already alluded to it. Um, they're going to play at Tabor 95 9 on Wednesday as well. Uh, the Sterling College women got back in action on uh, Saturday at McPherson. I was actually not allowed to go to that game due to the McPherson College policy, but the women picked up a big road victory, 92-82 over a pretty good McPherson team. Bailey Bangert, again, just went nuts, went 24 points in the game. Alexis Theus, 15. Kyla Conley had 12. And then the assassin off the bench, Emily Hendrickson, went for 16. And, and the real difference in this game, it was a 10-point lead at halftime, and they win by 10. Sterling forced 28 McPherson turnovers and had a 22 to 11 point off turnover advantage. Both teams shot the ball pretty well. Um, and there's your difference. It just that, that speed and tenacity of they can just keep coming at you about nine deep. And, and that got him the win on Saturday. When you shoot 50% against Sterling, you've done something pretty special. And that's what McPherson did. They shot 50% on the dot, 10 of 14 from the line. So they shot the ball pretty well there out rebounded by 10. I mean, they did, it looks like, everything they needed to do to win that game except for take care of the ball. And that just goes to show you right there, Scott, the multitude of ways that this drilling team can beat you. Yeah, absolutely. Now their next scheduled game is at Kansas Westland on Wednesday, January 20th. I know they have added Evangel 
um, on the road and later in January to get in another game. And I, I know they're also trying to work on a game maybe before the Kansas Wesleyan game even so, and we'll see if that um, works out because only four scheduled games in January for the Lady Warriors. I guess that's the one maybe negative of getting half your conference games played in the first semester, but I'm, I'm more confident because of this being such a veteran team. I think they can stay focused even with the time off and still come out fresh and, and, and be pretty fluid with their offense. Yeah, we saw we saw what they did on uh, against McPherson, and that that I don't really anticipate their level of play dropping offensively to have that kind of time off and still shoot forty five percent. As we saw, of course, with the defense, there are some things that to, to work out, but there's always going to be some things to work out, no matter what time of the year it is. I just really like that. I, I thought that was a good win for them, not just beating a quality team like McPherson. It was just the, the, the way that they did it, and I think that this drilling team. I don't think that the the time off. It's not ideal. It's not ideal having these big breaks in between games, but I really don't think it's going to bother them. Oh, yeah, any win in McPherson any year, I mean, it's just been – always have teams that seem to match up or give you trouble, and that has been McPherson in the last four or five years. So to go over there, get a 10-point win, you will take it at any time. So, again, the, the women next scheduled to play on uh, January 20th at Kansas Wesleyan. Uh, Tuesday night, Ad Astra's got a full schedule for you. Let's talk about the Jayhawks first. They're going to be on 94-7 um, at Oklahoma State, coming off of two wins this week after that uh, kind of debacle at home against Texas. They blew out TCU on the road, 93-64, and edged Oklahoma on Saturday at home, uh, 63-59, playing an Oklahoma State team that um, won in Manhattan over the weekend, 70-54. to But it's exactly what you wanted to see out of KU, um, especially the TCU game after um, getting thoroughly beaten by Texas at home. Yeah, it was a good week for the Jayhawks. A little concerning on Saturday was their second straight home game where they just didn't shoot the three ball very well. They were three for 23 against Texas. A little bit better against Oklahoma, six for 20, but they're obviously capable of much better than that. Christian Brown really struggled going just one for six. Uh, Jalen Wilson struggled for most of the game, but really turned it on late. Uh, he hit a couple of big three-pointers. But what I really liked about the Oklahoma game, Scott, was how David McCormick came through in the clutch. He only had one rebound. That's, that's concerning. Mm. But there are not many KU players in recent years that have been more polarizing, I think, than David McCormick. I mean, fans either seem to love or just not like him at all. And he had, I think, on their last three possessions that they scored on. I can't remember if they scored on, on all their last three possessions, but the last three possessions that they scored on, McCormick had four points and an assist. So he really did a great job there down the stretch. And the last basket that he hit with maybe, I can't remember how much time it was left, 30-some seconds, I put KU up four. I just remember thinking it, it was a classic, no, David, no, David, no, no, yes. Yeah, good shot, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I kind of like the way uh... – I think the coaching staff and even McCormick himself, they understand that he's not the go-to guy. I mean, um, in the clutch, you're not going to pound it into McCormick, but they do make an effort to make sure that he gets enough touches down in the paint to keep teams honest. And I mean, if after a game you look at a stat line and McCormick's got eight points, 10 rebounds, or reverse at 10 or 12 points and seven or eight rebounds, you will take that, and I think that's very acceptable um, the way this team is made up. And I think he's really starting to, 
to figure out what his role is this year. Yeah, I like to see him when he gets the ball. It seems like his first instinct is something a little finesse, you know, a little fade away or something like that. Or I like to see him get a little bit stronger. He's not a Yudoka Azubuki. That's obvious. Not many people are. But I just like to see him get a little bit more aggressive, a little stronger, and try to take the ball powerfully to the basket a little bit more. So KU at home, or excuse me, on the road at Oklahoma State Tuesday night, and then they'll be back at home uh, Saturday to take on Iowa State on 94-7. On Tuesday, 95-9, the Bueller Crusaders at El Dorado. Bueller boys and girls both picked up their first wins of the season over Augusta on Friday night, and another fantastic opportunity for uh, Bueller to pick up wins as the El Dorado boys come in 1-5 and and the girls are 0-5. So these are games, especially in league play that uh, Bueller, even though they're on the road, you really feel like they, they need to pick up these two wins. Yeah. you And I like how they, uh, you know, got the wins and, and, you know, especially the girls after they had that such a rough December schedule when they played Nickerson and they played Hutchinson and they played circle and McPherson. That, that's a, that's a brutal schedule. There's gonna be a lot of teams that go Oh, and four against that schedule. So it, 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 it was just a tough, Tough run, run for them, but they came out. The girls got the big win. Lauren Specht had a great game, 17 points. I think she had 13 in the second half, maybe even in the third quarter. But Lauren Specht had a great second half in that game. So it was good to see them get that get that win. And then, of course, the boys, you know, just, just their second game of the season. So uh, they got, you know, Max Alexander is obviously a very talented player. So I think that this Bueller team, now if they can just get that continuity, going you know start doing some gelling and getting the schedule played out and get some games under the belt I think they're going to be a pretty decent team I think they are as well and we're going to touch on them a little bit on their Friday game they're going to they're going to be back at home against Winfield so we'll we'll come back to the Crusaders in just a little bit um 100.3 this is an intriguing matchup both sides of the doubleheader Trinity at Inman Uh, Inman boys and girls both are three and four uh, Trinity, the boys three and two, the girls two and three, uh, especially in that boys game. I was really impressed with Trinity nearly going to Breen Academy Friday and getting a win over an undefeated and highly touted Breen Academy boys team. So even though Trinity did suffer the loss in that boys game, I think they learned a lot and know, hey, we can play with anybody. Um, especially in two or class one a, and I think they feel really good here on the road against Inman. Well, they should feel pretty good. I mean, like the Bueller girls, you know, the Trinity boys have played a brutal schedule. Their losses have been to Haven garden Plain, and Berean so far, and they could have won two of those three games. They lost to Haven by four. And then of course, Berean by just one, they got to win over Cheney too. So they've, they've got some, they, they played a really tough schedule. So the, there's really nothing at this point that, they, that you don't think Trinity is capable of doing. I mean, they, they've got a good, deep team. They've got length. They've got size. They've got shooters. And they play good defense, too. So I, I, I like what I've seen so far for this Trinity team. The Trinity at Inman, that'll be, a, of course, a Heart of America action on 100.3. Over on Kicks Country 106, uh, Heston at Nickerson. Uh, the Nickerson boys, it has been a struggle. They're 0-7. And just the exact opposite, seven and one for the Nickerson girls, uh, Heston. And I apologize if any of these records aren't quite accurate. I'm going by what Keisha, um, their schedules have on there. The Heston boys ranked number one in class 3A. They're four and oh. The girls has them listed at two and one. I'm questioning um, 
that record for Heston, but uh, boy, do you, I certainly don't see the boys game being competitive in this matchup. Do you see the Heston girls uh, having a shot to keep it close against Nickerson? Well, I tell you what, it's going to be hard. And the thing I, I have I've always appreciated about Heston, even though that they may be a little bit down this year, is Coach Matt Richardson smart enough to try to figure something out. And I think that they I, – I don't know what they will do, though, because you're going up against Ava Jones, one of the top players in Kansas. And, of course, Josie McLean, the point guard, you got two – Two sophomores right there. I mean, good grief. Yeah, try to figure them out now. Good luck in two years, you know. <laughs> this, this, this team is just, you know, I, I, they, they, they've got just those two players right there that, uh, you know, we talk about Little River. Same thing with Nickerson. I mean, Ava Jones and Josie McLean, most games that they go out there, they're going to be the two best players on the court. So it, it's, it's a tough matchup. I am very curious because Matt Richardson is such a good coach about, and they have just enough athleticism, just enough size, where I think that they may be able to try to pull something off. We'll, we'll see what we'll see what they do defensively, especially uh, boys' game. Boy, yeah, I tell you what, we all Scott, we've seen Hessen this year, yeah. and when they're on, it, it is it's poetry. I mean, they play such a fun brand of basketball. It's just, it's fluid, it's fun, it's fast, and they can play any uh, any style whatsoever. Tough matchup for Nickerson. Yeah, very, very difficult matchups for Nickerson, needless to say, Tuesday night. And the final game Tuesday night on the Ad Astra stream, I'll be in Lions. It'll be Lions hosting Pratt. Uh, the Lions boys 4-1, and one, the girls 2-4, and four, and Pratt comes in. Boys 4-3, and three, girls 1-6. and six. Uh, Lions, the boys defeated Cedric on the road by 10. The girls lost a heartbreaker. Two free throws with five and a half seconds left in a one-and-one situation um, for Sedgwick to give them the two-point victory um, over the Lions girls. Lions girls now, they're starting to get the injury bug a little bit. And then they had uh, Resendez, um, possible knee sprain injury in the Sedgwick game. Um, I know uh, Natasha Jaime, the sophomore of the Jaime sisters, took a, another knock to the head. She's got a history there, so her status is unknown. They um, had one girl that had to miss the game because of COVID. So a Lions girls team that likes to push the tempo, press, I don't know how many they're going to have available that Coach Smith is comfortable with playing, and this is certainly a winnable game at home against the Pratt team that's really struggling, but that's, that's concerning for, for Lions. If they lose depth um, and lose the ability to – Force the tempo, it, it could be a struggle. Yeah, we've seen uh, teams that, it, and, and this is going to be something that, you know, a lot of teams are probably going to have to deal with at some point uh, with lack of depth, not just with injuries, but the possibility of COVID too. So it's, it's going to be something that I'll be very interested to see how they handle that lack of depth. And you certainly hope it, <laughs> you certainly hope it doesn't get any worse for them. And the, the boys, you know, they, they played a very solid, good game. I tell you, uh, it is fun to watch Ray Alamos and Trey McClure every night. Um, credible pair of seniors. They, they led the scoring, 16 for Alamos, 14 for McClure. It's the supporting cast that is just getting better. Cade Crawford, um, boy, he's finding his shot. He gets to the rim, outstanding, the left-hander. Um, uh, Billy Hurley is fantastic at six foot inside and um, Dawson Stover was in foul trouble a lot on Friday, but he, he's coming alive. The bench is playing well and they'll play a, a pretty decent Pratt team, but Lion, they're really starting to, to, to come into shape. They're getting the tempo pushed a little bit more. 
I think once they get back, you know, banging off all the rust from the long layoff, uh, this this will be a team to be reckoned with. Yeah, I think so, too. And uh, they've got some tough games coming up here with uh, Hillsboro and I see Heston on the schedule, too, and Haven. So their schedule is going to get pretty tough. But I think we'll know a lot about this Lions team here in the next couple of weeks. I already think that they're a good team, good enough to go to the state tournament under most years. Uh, we'll see what happens this year with the substate assignment that, that they got. But uh, th- th- this this is a good team, though, and uh, so, some good matchups here coming up. And I think we it's an opportunity for them to really show how good they are. And yeah, we'll touch on those matchups uh, uh, on when we get to Friday's schedule as well. When we move to Wednesday, I already mentioned on 95.9, the Sterling College men will be at Tabor, uh, 7 o'clock tip there. 100.3, we'll have Wichita State. Um, They're at Tulsa. We talked about Wichita last week. If they could get the split of the two games they had, they accomplished that. They played Houston really tough uh, on the road. Ended up losing, I think, by nine in that game. Houston's top five in the nation. Then they won versus Cincinnati, 82-76. I looked at the standings. Them and Tulsa are right there in basically second place behind Houston. They all have just one conference loss. Um, so this is a huge game, WSU, uh, seven and three overall. If they can find a way to beat Tulsa, they're going to be just basically a half a game behind Houston for first place. So um, another big game Wednesday night for the Shockers. That win over Cincinnati was kind of a big one in that Cincinnati, Cincinnati has been kind of a bugaboo for the Shockers through the years. I don't think this is the best team Cincinnati's had. It's been, they've been kind of a thorn in Wichita State side. So that was a good win for them to kind of, get past that but with games with Tulsa SMU and Memphis coming up I and mean, we got a pretty pretty tough stretch of games and I tell you what you know I think we talked last week that if they could somehow go four and one or even three and two in that stretch it would be a it would be a win and I, I stand behind that they lost to Houston obviously but if they can even if they win two of these next three games I think they're going to be in good shape still yeah I think this week again if they can split because they're at Tulsa Wednesday at SMU Sunday both games on 100.3 KNZS I I think with those two tough road games, again, you go one and one and then play Memphis. And if you could get that win, uh, I think you'd be extremely pleased as a Shocker fan or, or especially their their coaching staff to be right towards the top of uh, the American moving into the middle of January. If you're talking about them up there, you know, now you're, you're starting to think NCAA tournament possibilities too. And they've got some good wins already, Scott. You know, they beat, they beat Mississippi. If they can somehow find a way to beat Houston later in the season, you know, beat Tulsa as well. I mean, they, they could have enough on the resume. They've already beaten Tulsa. You know, sweep them. They've uh, they competed well against Oklahoma State and Missouri. So if they can find, if they can just continue to win, get some, you know, avoid the the shocking loss, get some quality wins in this conference. I think we could be talking about the Shockers being a tournament team. I, I do as well. I mean, I, I I look for them to maybe have to make a little bit of a statement in the postseason tournament, the American, you know, get to maybe at least the semis in that tournament. But yeah, I, I don't think that by any stretch of the imagination that the shockers uh, are not going to be right there battling for uh, a bid to the big dance when it's all said and done again. So they're Wednesday, Sunday this week on KNZS uh, on Friday night, there's another full schedule on Ad Astra, 94.7, Halstead at Haven, 95.9 as Winfield at Bueller, 100.3 Mound Ridge at Trinity, Lions at Hillsboro on 106.1, and the stream game will be Central Christian at Stafford. 
Um, let's talk about your game. You've got Halstead at Haven, and you first want to look at the, the, the front side of that matchup because I, I think the boys' game, I think Haven um, will cruise in that ball game. But the girls' game, undefeated, Halstead 5-0 and against the Haven team, still kind of feeling their way through this season. They're 4-3. and Does Haven uh, have a chance to derail one of the best teams in Class 3A? You know, they got Corinna Gerber, obviously, one of the top players in Kansas, going off to Pittsburgh State next year. And I, I got a lot of respect for Coach Derek Schutte, too. And actually, from what I've heard, Halstead's got some more players coming up through the girls' basketball system down there. So, you know, I, I, Haven is good enough, I think, to compete in this game. You know, they got to find a way to try to – you know, it, 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 it's, it's the old double-edged sword, you know. Do you let Corinna Gerber, you know, go off for – 27 and 13 and take your chances that no one else will beat you or do you try to double team her and try to hold her to you know 13 and 9 but then you know by and large is someone else going to go off and, and, and you know have a 12 to 15 point night do you allow them some wide open threes that they can knock down I don't know we'll find out but I, I, I do think that the Haven girls can compete it's just a matter of you know what can they do to try to neutralize Gerber I'm not sure it's possible uh, I don't know that it is possible again you're going to probably have to live with um probably a double-double for her and try to maybe contain everybody else. Uh, I don't know, maybe Haven, maybe they speed this game up. Um, they've got good guard play. They can run the floor. Maybe you can um, get Halstead a little uncomfortable in a full-court game. I, I think maybe that's Haven's best shot in this. And they also got, you know, McGuire Estill in the paint, and she's athletic enough. You know, there's not going to be many players that can, you know, stop Karina Gerber inside. But McGuire Estill is one of those players I think that can – hold her own down there. She's strong enough. She's athletic enough. She can bang around in there with anybody. And so I think that's a good matchup there. But of course, there's more than just, you know, Gerber. They, you know, we can't forget about Kaylee O'Brien and mm. some of those other players that this team has. I mean, th this, this is not a one, you know, a, a one team uh, or one player team that, that Halstead has. It's a good team. They still got Haley Lewis at point guard. She's been around, seems like for, you know, last 10 years or so. Uh, I, Parker Schroeder, I think is another one. It seems like she's been around forever. It's, it's a good team, and it's one of the better matchups I think we'll see in Kansas on Friday. Yeah, I mean, this is a Halstead team that was in the state semis when the plug was pulled last year, and that they were all juniors. So this is the more or less the same team, although I think better this year. So I think people um, forget about they returned to everybody, so this is no surprise to anybody how good they are. 95-9, uh, Winfield at Bueller. I was really surprised when I listened to the – scoreboard show Friday night the Winfield boys um should have beaten McPherson uh there's no doubt about it McPherson hit a shot just inside of the half court line to send that game to overtime where the, the Mac boys ended up winning but it it opened my eyes you know Winfield at Bueller Bueller better strap her on really good Friday night because that is a surprisingly good Winfield team coming in yeah it was you know, this it's not the strongest McPherson team, but they're still not just McPherson, but they're also five and two right now. So they're not, so they're definitely a, a good team. And you know, Winfield competed with what's been a pretty good Arc City team as well. Wellington's had some good teams lately, and they competed with them. Uh, the one thing that is a little concerning was they got lost. They they did lose by double digits to Augusta, but you know, we we also talked about the importance of just having that many games under your belt, and they've they've got quite a few games under their belt. So. Kind of a little bit like the uh, about the the uh, not the McPherson boys, but the Sterling College men. In that you know you have to learn how to win, and even though a half court shot, what can you really do? At some point, you know th those losses do take a toll on you. 
Yeah, we'll see how they, they respond after that, that big effort. And again, it'll be a week after that effort against a Bueller boys team that we both think is going to be pretty good. Um, boy, I am already psyched for the rematch Lions at Hillsborough on the boys side. The girls game was a good half of basketball for Lions and then Hillsborough dominated the second half in the uh, early season tournaments. Lions Hillsborough boys, that was a double overtime game in Hillsborough. It was a 50-49 win for the Trojans, a game which Lions led most of the way. It was just fantastic ball game between two really good boys teams and I was excited right when that horn sounded I knew this one was coming same floor middle of January and it's up on Friday well I mean when you when you see two quality teams play a a great game and you know you get to see them again I mean that's as a broadcaster or even just as a fan that's something else so definitely gonna be you know from your perspective uh should, should be a pretty fun night, I would think. It should be. Those are two well-coached, well-disciplined um, athletic teams. And, um, yeah, I can't wait to get over there on uh, Friday night for Lions at Hillsborough and Kicks Country 106 in Saturday's schedule. Uh, KU hosting Iowa State on 94.7. And on Sunday, uh, WSU is at SMU on 100.3. Uh, we want to stay with the high school basketball. It's a month later than we're used to it, but the sub-states have finally come out this last week, and we wanted to uh, uh, touch on a few of those, some of the teams that we, we cover on a regular basis. Um, a couple of things I noticed here in Class 2A. Goodness, get the buses ready for Sterling boys and girls. They're in Spearville. Um, that shocked me when I found them. I couldn't find them in 2A, and then I looked at the Spearville substate, and there they were. So um, long ways from home if they both advance, which we certainly expect them to, to the semifinals. And then most of the teams that we cover, other than Garden Plain, are going to be in the uh, Brookville-El Saline substate with uh, uh, Bennington, El Saline, Hillsborough, Hutch Trinity, Inman, Mound Ridge, um, Sacred Heart, and Sedgwick. So what's your what's your first thoughts when you saw Class 2A come out? <laughs> El Saline Substate, Hillsborough, Trinity. I mean, my goodness, Inman, Sedgwick. I mean, there's there's some quality teams in that substate. And, you know, I, I, I would be frustrated if I was one of those teams that's kind of on the edge, kind of like Sterling is. I mean, they, they never seem to know where they're going to go year to year, you know, out west or centrally or, or – you know, I look at Hutchinson Central Christian. That's another team. They always never seem to know exactly where they're going to go because they're always kind of on the outskirts of a, of a th- of three different substates. So, it, it's it, that, that that's that that's a tough one right there. And I look at down at the Spearville substate of Syracuse boys right now, seven and zero. So, and of course, you're talking about two completely different uh, levels of comp or not levels, but two di- completely different schedules. So there's no way to know. You know how how good a twenty and zero Syracuse team would maybe match up with, let's say, a seventeen and three Sterling team, but that's uh, that looks like a pretty good one. And, you know, Ellenwood's five and one right now. Spearville's usually got pretty good boys basketball team, so that 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 could be a pretty uh, tough substate as well. Yeah, I, I think Sterling probably fell off the chair when they saw that they were getting shipped out to uh, to Spearville. But yeah, we we, we expect. Uh... Big things from Sterling and that sub-state, see if they can both get back to the state tournament. Um, obviously, in 3A, uh, they packed, I think, I'm looking through them, I think they packed of every team that we cover 
into the same substate with the exception of Cheney. Cheney boys and girls at the Douglas substate, but uh, I asked Coach Freese in the post game for um, for the Lions game on Friday, and he was going down the the lineup in this Heston substate. Of course, it jumps out to you on the boys side. You've got Heston, the number one team in uh, Class Three A. You got the Haven boys in there. Um, Smoky Valley boys, pretty good, and Lions got stuck in there too. The girls side, can anybody challenge Halstead on that side? But boy, that was a that's a tough draw, especially for the Lions and Havens of the world. Yeah, I, uh, Haven is also one of those uh, schools that always seems to be on the edge, but uh, the edge for them, it doesn't really matter because if they're not playing teams like Halstead or Hessen, they're playing teams like Cheney. Mm-hmm. So I remember talking with uh, girls coach Dwight Roper one year about their subset assignment, and he kind of joked, yeah, Notre Dame, they, they sent Notre Dame out east this year, so we don't have to worry about playing them. So, uh, But it, it just it never seems to matter for some of these Central Kansas League. I mean, the Central Kansas League is already loaded as it is, and it just seems like the, these teams are always lumped together in the same subset. Yeah, and, and I'll get a good look at all of these teams because Lions yet still has Smoky Valley, Heston, Haven, and Halstead still all on their upcoming schedule. So um, these teams are going to be, as they seem to always be, very familiar with one another. And you'll have a, a good game of film to go over for a rematch. So I think that's I think it's kind of a double-edged sword. I think some of that's good. I think some of that's not so good, especially if you're a favored team, maybe having to beat a team a second time. Or or maybe a third time in some some respects. Yes. Um, Also in there, Ellsworth, Southeast of Saline, and Kingman. Also in there, uh, any other sub-state, Bueller as Ois, boy, Bueller, McPherson, Nickerson, Pratt, and Ulysses are all in the Bueller substate. I mean, that one kind of jumps off the page. Bueller and McPherson, I'm trying to think of a year, if you go back quite a ways, that they haven't been in the same substate. Um, Nickerson thrown in there, my goodness, that that's going to be a fun one. Well, before I did take the jump to go east-west, uh, I think uh, maybe two years ago, so it was a little bit different two years ago, but now they're going back to the due to COVID concerns, uh, the, the kind of regionalized sub-states instead of just ranking them one through 16 and then just, you know, having the top four teams host. But, yeah, uh, for the on the boys' side, I think you're going to have a good matchup potentially in the championship game with Bueller and McPherson. Pratt's not, not a bad team. Ulysses, you just never know. And on the girls' side, boy, you got Nickerson and McPherson, maybe two of the three best teams in Class 4 in the state of Kansas, and one of them won't even get a chance to play at the state tournament. Yeah, you, you hate seeing that every year. I mean, for us as radio guys, they're covering those games. It's fantastic theater, but um, I'd always like to see those matchups at the next level, but um, it just doesn't doesn't seem to happen. Uh, in the upper classes, uh, what stuck out to you maybe in 5 or 6A when you saw the substates? Well, when I saw the 6A substate, I thought if you're Hutchinson, you got to feel pretty good on the boys' side. Uh, I think they figure that they would be going out west, and they are, Liberal, Garden, and Dodge. On the girls' side, Dodge City's really, really good. They've beaten McPherson. That's going to be a tough matchup if Hutch has to play them. Um, but, boy, on the boys' side, I think it's going to be a pretty balanced sub-state. I don't really think any team is going to be a standout. Hutch got their first one in the season over Newton on Saturday, but the day before, they took the top-ranked campus Colts down the wire in a game where their top, one of their top players, six foot seven, Miles Thompson, had three fouls in the first half, 
and was really ineffective most of the game, and they still almost beat a team of Kansas' caliber. So I think, Hutch, they may not have the best record going into that sub-state, but I think they're going to be pretty well-tested, pretty well ready for uh, for really anything. Uh, Dodge will pro- probably be the favorite because they're hosting, but I tell you what, I think Hutch will have a pretty good chance at winning that sub-state. I think they will as well. Um, I was looking at the lower, you know, Class 1A, if people aren't aware, back divided into – two divisions for this season. So there are no regional tournaments like we've had the past few years. Um, division one, most of the teams that we see are going to be either at Norwich or Canton Galva in the Norwich substate. You got Fairfield, Maxville, Norwich skyline, pretty Prairie, St. John and Caldwell over in Canton Galva. Of course, the host Eagles, you got Gossel, Lincoln, Little River, rural Vista, Solomon, Sylvan Grove, or Sylvan Unified. Uh, of course, we've been hyping the Little River boys um, for, for that sub-state, but what about uh, Class 1A, Division 1? Anything really sh- shock you on that one? I mean, not really. I think the thing that will unfortunately be, <laughs> if you want to call it shocking, when you, have, when you split this into two divisions, and this is not uh, – I'm not trying to say anything bad about any teams, but we often will see – someone at state in class 1a division one or two or both that's like i don't know six and 16 or five and seven it's it's not their fault when teams get to state they 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 did what they were supposed to do and good for them but boy i tell you what i i i i so much prefer the the uh, regional sub-state format to 1a a little bit more drama a little bit more worthy of the teams like the eight seed will often be like 21 and 21 and four or something like that so you know, when you get to state one A under the old regional substate format, uh, you usually had earned it. And again, that's not to say that these teams won't have earned it, but uh, you, you're probably just going to see some team out there that isn't going to have a very good record going to state. And then, you know, there'll, there'll be another substate like I'm looking at the Norwich Boys uh, substate where you got five and one Norwich, six and two Maxville. Caldwell's good this year. Pratt Scallon's five and three. So there's going to be some good teams in that substate, and someone's going to be left out, unfortunately. And I always said that it was with the old format, everybody in one division, that was by far the best state tournament um, of any in the state, just because you get there and you hang a banner after going through regional, sub-state, and state. Like you said, you have you have thoroughly earned it and proved that you are probably one of the top, I would say, three or four teams in 1A if you hang a banner. So I I was I was disappointed when I saw they were split again. Yeah, and I and I think selfishly, I would love to see how Little River boys would do in the unified Class One A sub uh, state tournament. Now, again, this is not to say that they're going to go out and waltz and win every game by thirty points. I just think it would been it just would have been fun. And I know I'm sounds like a selfish neutral who just wants to see a lot of drama and all that, but you know what? That's okay. Yeah, I'm 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 the same way. I just no, nah, I don't I don't I don't like it. But in the lower division, um, looks like most of the teams that we would see are going to be in the Peabody Burns um, substate: Burton, Central Plains, Chase, Hartford, um, Lost Springs Center, McFer- McPherson, Elyria Christian, and Peabody Burns. Of course, the Central Plains girls stand out to you there. They're they're in Division Two this year, um, so that. 
I would be surprised if the Central Plains girls don't come out of that on top. Uh, the boys, I think that's going to be pretty wide open. Yeah, and I, I was scrolling through the standings here, Scott. I'm looking at that Peabody Burn subset that you talked about. There's on the boys' side. There's currently four teams without a win so far this year. Now, how accurate is that? We don't know. And it looks like even one of the teams hasn't even played yet, so that's not really fair to them to call them winless. But, uh, man. Uh, it, it, it just seems – and there's another sub-state where there's one team who's a top seed right now at 3-3. Three and three, So, <laughs> man, I, it, it, it's, it's, it's tough no matter what you no, – no matter what because you're going to say on one side, you know, it's too hard to get the state uh, under the old, old format. But, yeah, just – I don't know. I'm, so, I'm sounding grouchy in my old age now, Scott. Well, I did, I did notice thing. You, t- you talk about Central Plains, if they get to state, it's going to be a really short trip because it's at Barton County this year. And yep. in a normal season, and you're thinking, man, they'll unload the whole town, of, you know, Claflin and Bushton and all of that just right down the road. That remains to be seen how many people they can put in there. But um, great facility. I love broadcasting there at Barton County. And I think Central Plains, you know, if they, if they get in there, they're going to have a great shot to uh, repeat. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. And, yeah, it's, it's a nice facility over there. And, boy, you're, you're right. I mean, that, that It's not the biggest gym in the world. It's not like Gross Memorial Coliseum in Hayes or United Wireless in Dodge City or places like that. So, I tell you what, if Central Plains does make it, that, that place, I tell you, it, it, could find, it could be hard to find a seat. Yeah, so we'll, we'll look forward to that um, coming up in March. Uh, the Chiefs opponent now known after the – Wild, wild card weekend was complete with six games, three on Saturday, three on Sunday. The Chiefs get the lowest seed remaining, and that turns out to be the Cleveland Browns. I I don't know that I was completely shocked that the Browns beat the Steelers, but um, beat down the Steelers is what the Browns did last time. I mean, that game was almost over after the first play from scrimmage when the Steelers Hiked the ball over Roethlisberger's head. Neither him nor I think it was James Conner back there could get on the football. The Browns recover in the end zone for a touchdown. They hang three more on him in the first quarter. Uh, Turnovers by the Steelers. Uh, The Browns, without half their coaching staff, went in and just just thumped the Steelers. Uh, I was shocked by – the final score wasn't near as – the game wasn't near that close. Uh, So what do you think – I know the matchup six days away. What do you think of the Chiefs hosting the Red Hot Browns? I think it's going to be a trendy pick, uh, Scott, for the people that think that the Browns are going to beat the Chiefs. Uh, this has been I – th- I think that the Browns are better defensively than the Chiefs are. I don't think the Browns' offense is as good as the Chiefs' offense. And what we saw with the Browns, you know, they haven't had a lot of practice time lately due to a lot of COVID concerns and problems that they've had within the facility and with the team. So I don't want to hear any excuses. The Chiefs start out slow or whatever. Oh, they had two weeks. No, I mean, the, the Browns looked pretty good last night after not playing much in the last couple of weeks or not much practice in the last couple of weeks. I will say this much about that game, uh, Scott, the Steelers-Browns uh, game. I was so disappointed when the Steelers are down, I think by – it was a two-score game. I can't remember if it was 11 or 12 points. Early in the fourth quarter, they have fourth and one from about their own 40, 42-yard line or something like that, and they punted. Mm. They've got all the momentum in the world. If, if you have a needle on momentum in that game at that point, it was about 90%, if not more, in Pittsburgh's favor. I know what Tomlin's thinking. Pin and backer defense is playing well. No, 
I'm go- you, you got to keep that momentum going in the fourth quarter of a playoff game. I think if they go for it there and they get it, boy, then the doubt really starts to creep in, I think, for the Browns. And that was just disappointing. That has been talked a lot about. Um, and you don't second-guess Mike Tomlin a lot. He's a tremendous coach. He's never been below 500 even – even last year when he lost his, what, top two quarterbacks, he was down to his third string most of the season. Um, but that, yeah, I, I agree. I, I would have gone for it there. And I look at this Browns team, there, there are two things that stand out to me as far as the matchup against the Chiefs. Wow, Nick Chubb, and uh, now I'm going to blank on his name, the former Chiefs running back. Um, Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt, thank you. Uh, that running attack worries me. Uh, the Chiefs at times been kind of porous against teams that run the football. The other concern, certainly for the Browns, they had two starting offensive linemen have to leave that game last night. Uh, The Steelers got pressure on them when those linemen went out and started to play better defense. So I think that's a huge concern for the Browns as those two starting linemen, but the chiefs going to have to stop the run and, and put some pressure on Baker Mayfield. I'm still not sold on Baker Mayfield being that franchise quarterback, but he certainly in the second half of the season has played much better. And I, and the chiefs, um, in my opinion, you know, if they average 31 points a game, I think they're going to have to score in that range to beat the Browns. Yeah, they may have to. And I'd like to see a little bit better start. I'm not saying that they, uh, you know, have to go out and lead the 21, nothing at the end of the first quarter, but I'll feel pretty good if they do. But, um, you know, the Browns are obviously feeling pretty good about things right now, and they should. Although I will caution those who maybe are a little bullish on the Browns, and here's what I mean. Back-to-back wins over a Steelers team that was sliding when the season uh, entered the postseason. I think they ended up losing five of the last six games. So the Steelers were on the downfall. Week 16, the Browns lost to the Jets. Week 15, they struggled to beat the Giants, a 6-10 and Giants team. They had a good shootout loss to the Ravens. And they beat the Titans before that, but even going back before that, they struggled to beat the Jaguars and the Eagles. So even though they are playing pretty well right now, I'm not really, I'm not completely as sold on how well that they're playing as others might be right now. It is a tough matchup in that they can run the ball, and they, and uh, I think that they, uh, ha- they, they are able to provide pressure without blitzing, which is really the kind of defense that Patrick Mahomes has struggled against, is the team that can bring pressure without blitzing. But I think what the Chiefs may want to do defensively, in addition to hopefully stopping the run, is maybe try to keep Baker Mayfield in the pocket. I think he's very good when he gets outside the pocket, not only throwing on the run, but also scrambling. I think they, I'd like to see them maybe try to keep him in the pocket. Yeah, I'd like to see their defensive ends. And I harp on this a lot. I mean, uh, playing football at the high school level and watching it at college, to me, the defensive end's main purpose is to funnel everything inside whether it's a run or a pass, you stay wide. You don't crash down. And then if you get crashed down on and you get collapsed, then there's nobody outside except having to bring a defensive back up and run support. So I'd like to see them stay wide and make him move within or straight up into the pocket, like you said, instead of getting wide. And I'd like to see them do that uh, to their running backs as well. But, um, offensively for the Chiefs yeah um I'd like to see them I I don't know how concerted of an effort they're going to make to run the football Uh, I think they could use Bell and hopefully um, Edwards Hilaire this weekend in the short passing game which is basically you know the extension of the running game it's kind of the old west coast 
offense philosophy. I'd like to see you get them involved in, in more touches, even if it isn't handing it off, but maybe some of the swing passes or screen passes and get them involved a little bit more. We know they can get it down the field, but I, I would like to see them get the, the running backs involved more. Yeah, it'll be interesting if uh, Clyde uh, Edwards Hilaire will be available to play. But, you know, uh, what's his name? Daryl Williams or whatever his name is, uh, essentially the third string running back, actually has been usable down the stretch. You know, he's not going to bust off any, you know, 65-yard touchdown runs. But uh, if the Chiefs can, can, can get their ground game just at least steady, if they don't fall behind big early, and if, uh, you know, especially if the defense can really, you know, just – they don't have to be perfect. I think holding the, the, the Browns to field goals and just avoiding those long, you know, just soul-crushing eight-minute drives for touchdowns, those, I'd like to see the Chiefs just avoid those. If, they're gonna, if the Browns are going to have the ball for eight minutes, they need to try to hold them to a field goal. And there is that thought right now, Scott, that the Chiefs' defense and, and frankly, the offense, the entire team, has been kind of in, in coast mode most of the year, knowing that the playoffs are where they'll turn on. Well, they've got the chance to prove that now. And we hope they will turn the switch on um, full open. That, again, that's going to be Sunday. Going into Sunday, they'll know who their next opponent would be because Baltimore at Buffalo will be played on Saturday. Uh, Baltimore kind of got the, the, the big win. I, I call that maybe a mild upset winning at Tennessee. Nobody was shocked that they won that game. Buffalo held off a very game Colts team. Uh, who do you think advances in that one? You know, the hard thing about uh, trying to figure these games out, Scott, is that without the home field advantage, yes, they're playing at home, but without the crowd there, you know, I think the home field advantage is really mm-hmm. go, goes out the window. I think that uh, I, I think the Ravens, I think that, that they're kind of maybe on a little bit of a mission right now. And after bombing out in the playoffs last year, I think that, you know, Lamar Jackson, he struggled early, but really turned it on late. I know Buffalo is playing as well as anybody. I'm just not, for some reason, I'm just not quite sold on them making the run, making the Super Bowl run this year. I think if I were a betting man right now, I would, I would say it's going to be the Chiefs and the Ravens playing for the AFC Championship. I think the the win, and especially a win in a close game in the playoffs, will do Buffalo a, an immense amount of for this next week against Baltimore to be in that game, to, to get that first playoff. It'd been a long time since the bills had won in the postseason. If I, if I, I'm not thinking of one, Oh my gosh, you might have to go clear back to the music city miracle um, for the last playoff. when it's been a long time. So I think Buffalo now has that confidence. Also Baltimore does. They're playing very well here in the last part of the season. So, wow, that's, that, that's a pick game for me. When I look on the NFC side of things, we talked about the Rams. They pulled the upset um, at Seattle over the Seahawks. We, we said uh, if there was a healthy Jared Goff, well, he did not start the game. He had to come in due to injury and um, led the Rams on that win against the Seahawks. And now they go to Green Bay on Saturday. Um, can Goff and the Rams make it two in a row, or is it just going to be too much Aaron Rodgers? I like Green Bay in this game. I, I you know, the, the Rams are they're, they're one of the they're a classic good NFL team. They're good enough to beat anybody, but they're also you know bad enough to not just lose to lose anybody, but to also kind of get their teeth kicked in by the by the consistently good teams like the Chiefs 
or the Ram or not the Rams, I'm sorry, or the uh, the Saints or the or the Packers. And you know, I, I, I like the Packers in this one. I think uh, Aaron Rodgers is having a great season. He's a veteran and uh, Green Bay has played as well as anybody this entire year. And I, I, I like Green Bay. I have never liked a warm weather team in Lambeau in January. I mean, I just don't. <laughs> and green, it's it's if if it's if it's thirty degrees or above, the Rams should be counting their blessings because it's usually just miserable in Green Bay. And of course, they're used to it playing it. I I certainly like Green Bay. The Sunday game, it's going to be Tampa Bay at New Orleans. This is what I hate I, uh, for New Orleans. They've already beaten Tampa Bay twice. Now you're forced to try to beat a very good team a third time in a season. Um, I was kind of underwhelmed by both Tampa and New Orleans wins this weekend. Tampa beat a, a mediocre Washington team who was playing with their third string quarterback um, most all of the game. And uh, was it? Meineke or Heineke, I can't remember for sure his his name, and he he kept him in that game. He played yep. very well. Um, I would I was I say I was really underwhelmed that Tampa defense allowed a third string quarterback um, to keep Washington in that game as long as it did. And New Orleans, kind of a a, a workmanlike effort against a five hundred Bears team on Sunday. Uh, it's hard for me to pick this one. Everybody loves the quarterback matchup. Uh, Breeze against Brady. Uh, I think this is going to be a lot about the New Orleans defense. Um, Brady, when you get pressure on him, I've said it before, he's below league average completion percentage. But if he can operate within the pocket and you're not getting pressure on him, I I do not like New Orleans in that scenario. I, you can say that about a lot of quarterbacks, but especially Brady. Um because he moves around in the pocket so well. He's got the weapons this year to throw to. But, uh, boy, it's hard for me to pick New Orleans. It, just beating Tampa a third time is going to be so difficult. I, I think I would give the edge to Tampa. Yeah, it's more of a – this one's definitely among the, the pick'ems, I think. Uh, the one thing I will say is that – the. Even even though Tampa was on the road, I I, I was kind of underwhelmed by them on uh, over the weekend. You know, uh, like you said, the, the Saints were very workmanlike. I never felt like that they were in danger. I guess really, I never felt like the Bucks were in danger either. But I really expected more collectively against, you know, uh, frankly, a not very good Washington team who again was also playing a, a quarterback that no one had ever heard of before. They could have thrown you out there, Scott, and not, <laughs> and then like I I would you know more people might have known who you were, but. I, I don't know. I was just kind of underwhelmed by how Tampa played in that game. And, and even though the Saints didn't win by 40, you know, the Bears do have a good enough defense. And uh, I, I would probably just give a very slight edge, I think, to, uh, even though they've already done it twice, to, to New Orleans in this one. Believe me, my heart is with New Orleans in this game. I'll certainly be rooting for them. I, I would love to see Drew Brees get another crack at a Super Bowl. Actually, that would be the team I would like to see win the Super Bowl. If it's not the Chiefs playing there, obviously I, I'm all in on the Chiefs, but uh, would certainly like to see Drew Brees because I feel like this is his swan song, uh, win or lose. Um, th- I think this is it for Drew Brees this season. At least that's the feeling I get because he certainly contemplated whether he was coming back this year and with the with the punctured lung and the rib injury this year when he missed time. I, I just don't think he's gonna 
go through that grind again to come back one more time. Yeah, definitely all signs uh, seem to be pointing to him retiring, Scott. So that's the NFL schedule down to uh, the final four in each side this weekend. Uh, that's all I had on my ledger, Brad. So uh, what, what's your final thoughts for us this week? Well, I didn't really have anything uh, grand. It's just uh, I, I definitely am glad to see high school sports back. It was good to hear the broadcast over the weekend. I'm just looking forward to getting out there this week, Scott, and broadcasting games into people's homes and you know, it's it's just exciting to to get back out there after a break. It is. I'm I'm kind of the same way on my my final thoughts. I'm excited to get back to the, the college basketball um, this this week. I certainly was disappointed. I wasn't allowed to be over there and do the the women's game on Saturday against McPherson because uh, I think it's something special going on there in Sterling this year. But um, and again, I'm gonna have to wait another nine days uh, unless they can slip another game in there um, non-conference before they go to Kansas Wesleyan but I'm the same way I'm just excited to to get back out there with all the restrictions of, of fans we know the, the the empty gyms or near empty gyms um, a lot of people are are certainly not happy about that but um, kind of just stay the course and hopefully um, when we get to the end of February 1st of March sub-state state tournaments nationals for um the naia's schools and everything that hopefully we'll see some you know hope i hope we can get to maybe 25 to 50 percent um capacity in those arenas so so just uh, just hang in there and enjoy the broadcast um when you can when you can listen to us when we're covering um your favorite team and maybe you can go actually see your favorite team in the postseason yeah, well said, Scott. I think uh, we all want to see this uh, season end, and this could be our most trying time. Even though the vaccine is starting to get distributed, you know, we are coming off the holiday season where cases are inevitably going to go up. So just just stay with it, folks. You know, keep wearing your mask when you go out. Adhere to local guidelines, especially at the games. Let's get through this. Let's get to the state tournament. Uh, so I'll quickly get the week schedule again for you. I'll have Sterling and Southwestern on 95.9 Monday at 6.45, the Tuesday schedule, KU at Oklahoma State on 94.7, Bueller at El Dorado on 95.9, 100.3, Trinity at Inman, Kicks 106, Heston at Nickerson, and the stream game, Pratt at Lions, uh, SC Men again at Tabor on Wednesday on 95.9 at 6.45, and WSU at Tulsa on 100.3, Friday 94.7, Halstead at Haven 95.9, Bueller visits, or host Winfield, 100.3 Mound Ridge visits Trinity Hillsboro hosting Lions on kicks country and the stream will be central Christian at Stafford. And then Saturday KU on 94, seven hosting Iowa state and the shockers on Sunday travel to SMU on 100.3. And again, if you want to look at the, the sub States, that's all up there on the Keisha website and go on there. They got everything posted that you need to see, but a, a good week. So everybody, um, get out to the games if you can, but tune in to us if you can. But for this week's View from the Press Box, for Brad Hallier, this is Scott Hogan. God bless. Have a great week.